0: Hello, this is the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donoghue. This is the place to be for discussion, analysis, interviews and interpretations of the best under-23 footballers the world has to offer. Uh, Recently, we've been pumping out plenty of content on our website with, with loads more pieces in the works still. Uh, whether it's Michael Olise's emergence as a championship star with Reading, uh, the numbers behind Manchester United's decision to spend near a 40 million euros on Atalanta's Amad Diallo, uh, a love letter to Shakhtar Donetsk Marcus Antonio, or a piece compiling the transfers you might have missed in the most recent window, it can all be found at scoutedftbl.com and on our exclusive Patreon platform. Um, if you do enjoy the pods and the pieces, and, and of course the handbooks of which there is one, uh, very much on its way, number eight, set for release this week. Um, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for more exclusive content, sneak peeks, and some subscriber benefits. Uh, Today, though, I'm very pleased to reveal that for the first time, I won't be leading the discussion on under-23 football, uh, as I'm handing that role over to Scouted's expert on MLS, USMNT, uh, and perhaps even claims of electoral fraud, uh, Justin Sosa. Um, The reason for doing so is that Justin has arranged for us to speak with uh, Philadelphia Union and, and United States international defender, Mark McKenzie, uh, which is a fantastic opportunity for us. Um, Justin, I'll start with you just before bringing Mark in. It's great to have you back on the pod. How how are things?
1: Yeah, it's, aside from uh, it being election season, I mean, everything's going well. Uh, but you you pretty much hit on that pretty pretty well in that introduction. Um, but I can't complain too much personally.
0: Great stuff. Yeah, it is, uh, of course, election season. Uh, at the time of recording, it's, uh, it is yet to be decided who will be the next president of uh the United States, but, uh, we will keep, we'll try and keep the politics out of this as much as possible. Um, but for those of us who who might not be familiar with Mark McKenzie's career so far, Justin, um, give us a brief overview of, of, of him as, as the, as a player.
1: Yeah. So Mark McKenzie is a, a center back for the Philadelphia union. Um, he's one of the many young Americans that are kind of popping up and, and building a name for themselves, whether it be in Europe or in MLS nowadays. Um, He's a really good uh, ball playing center back for the union. Um, When I first started watching him, I thought he was left footed. Uh, This is just like an interesting tidbit. And it turns out he's actually right footed, Um, but he is just very good at playing the ball on either foot. Uh, It was, it reminded me of uh, the Usman Dembele interview where they were like, what penalty or what foot do you take penalties best with? And he was like, "My Right. And then he was like, but I shoot better with my left or whatever the case is. Um, But yeah, Mark's one of the brightest center backs we have right now coming through the program, aside from Chris Richards at uh, Bayern Munich.
0: Brilliant stuff. Well, I certainly can't wait for this one. Uh, Justin, the floor is yours.
1: So joining me now on the Scouted Football podcast is Philadelphia Union and United States of America center back, Mark McKenzie. Mark, how are you doing today, bud? I'm
2: good. I'm good.
1: Awesome to be here. you know, it's uh, it's election season here in the U.S. I mean, you know, you feeling any a little, little anxiety? I mean, I, I know I am right now, just kind of what.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's always a, an uneasy time when when the election is, you know, is looming over everyone's head. Um, I think we we all just kind of want results so we can have some sort of understanding as to how you know the next four years is going to look. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a crazy time right now, but. Look, ultimately, you just got to take it one day at a time. Can't look too far ahead and, and just uh, enjoy the moment for, for the time being. Because, uh, again, this has been one crazy year and we see how, how quick things can change. So,
1: Yeah. And and you got you and, and the guys at the, at the union have been doing a, a great job kind of advocating for people to do their civic duty and going out to vote. Um, you know, what are the odds you guys show up at a polling station and kind of just help them count the ballots to speed this up a little bit? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't think those, uh, those, those odds are, are very high. But, uh, um, yeah, I think we're we're just going to stick to the football for now and, and continue to do our civic duty, you know, and encourage people to know their rights, um, you know, well, now now that the the election is passed, but but get out and vote, and um, you know, understand when the elections are coming because it's not just the presidential election, but there's also congressional elections every every two years. Or so, uh, making sure we're aware of these uh these important dates, um, and and yeah, continue to do our do our due diligence in in society.
1: Yeah, so Mark, I I kind of just want to start with with grassroots soccer and just kind of where you began, you know, your youth career and just kind of how you fell in love with the sport, um. You know, I, I think it's I think it's always interesting to see where players kind of grew up and which academy systems they came through. And and you know, you grew up as a kid in Delaware, um, playing in Delaware youth teams. You know, how did how did you kind of fall in love with soccer? How did you fall into the sport? Um, and how did you find your way in, into the Philadelphia Union Academy?
2: Yeah, uh, it actually all kind of started back in New York. Uh, I was born and raised in New York, and then moved to Delaware. Um, you know, my dad he's Jamaican. Um, so I think the the football kind of just runs in my blood. Uh, that and track, of course. Um, and then the New York side of me with, with basketball. So I kind of picked up all the sports, and then, uh, eventually just found a, a love for it, a general, a general love, uh, a passion, um, for for the game. Um, and once I had moved to to Delaware with my family, uh, pretty much devoted the majority of my time to to playing. You know, um, whether it be kicking the ball in the backyard my dad. Um, you know, playing pickup with some of my friends, uh, from school, um, or from from my local team, and then eventually I, uh, um, and from there is where I really started to, to kind of weed my, uh, myself out, and uh, you know, coaches started calling me in, uh, to to little, you know, training sessions and training centers, um, and by the time I got into to high school, uh, it was solely, solely football for me, um, and uh, was playing for I think I started the unions pre-academy i had been selected uh, by my regional team coach Um, and one evening I got a call I think this is seventh grade seventh grade I got a call and he said listen we I want you to go up to to King of Prussia in Pennsylvania for the uh, the the union they're having a training training camp out there um, and and you need to be there you know this is a huge opportunity and my dad was rushing from work you know uh, and, and and dropped everything and uh, he met my mom halfway on the drive and, and ended up taking me up to the training. And from there, uh, was kind of in the mix and going up there three times a week. And by the time I started my freshman year of high school, I was going up there five nights a week um, and officially joined the Union's Academy. um, And I was trekking back and forth, carpooling with, uh, with another teammate, Anthony Fontana. And I think junior year is eventually when I made the switch uh, to join YC Academy um, and attend the school. Uh, and from there, it was, it was full, full steam ahead. You know, I was now training uh, once or twice a week with the first team. Um, and when I wasn't with the first team, I was now training with the USL team. I ultimately decided to, to, to go to Wake Forest and attend Wake Force after I graduated from, from YC Academy, uh, attended Wake for a semester. Um, you know, I think it was an experience I needed to go through. Uh, simply because I was away from my family and uh in a difficult environment, you know, where I wasn't playing much and I was frustrated and uh, was at a crossroads, as, as, you know, as to why ultimately I had to dig my uh you know dig myself out of a out of a hole uh you know I ended up playing well through the rest of my uh my time there at Wake and eventually signed the Union first team in, in January 2018. Um, and now I'm yeah here here now. So a little long winded answer, but but yeah, that's kind of the journey so far.
1: No, yeah, that was perfect. I mean, you, you touched on a lot of a lot of points there, too. Um, no, especially just, like, the infrastructure in the United States has grown so much in terms of, of soccer and and the availability of academy teams and, and, and just genuine competition for players to grow and develop. Um, but, you know, even for your age group, like you were saying, you're you're kind of carpooling, your dad's meeting your mom halfway to bring you to training and stuff. Um, and, it, it, you know, Tyler Adams had a similar story. Like, he drove all the way from Wappinger Falls to the Red Bulls training center. Um -hmm. so I just I just think it's it's interesting because um we obviously acknowledge that we've come a long way just in terms of developing players and the infrastructure that we have. Um, but it still seems like there's a lot of hoops that players still kinda have to jump through that, you know, keep us humble and and say, you know, there's still a little bit of work to be done to kinda ease that that process on on parents and players alike.
2: No, for sure, for sure. I think it's uh I think it's all part of the the process. You know, I I thoroughly, you know, enjoy looking back on my time and, and how much of uh my time was a grind. You know, it was just leaving school right after right after my last class and getting in the car for an hour to drive up to King of Prussia and then training from four thirty to six thirty and then getting in the car and doing homework in the car, eating a snack and getting home by eight 8.00, o'clock, eight thirty, eat dinner, you know, finish up whatever homework I had, wake up the next day at six thirty, um, go to class and, and do it over again. Um, you know, looking back on it, it, it definitely humbled me you know, tremendously. Um, but but it instilled in me a, a work ethic that, you know, has has helped carry me to where I am now. So now I wouldn't go back and change it, but but I think we do have a, a ways to go, uh, in the sense of, you know, US soccer and just uh the the ways in which we can kind of smooth out the, the rough patches for, for players trying to make it to the next level.
1: Yeah, and you also brought up your time uh, at Wake Forest, which, you know, the college system, whether it be college soccer or just go in there for a little bit for players whatever the case may be um you know it was another interesting little facet of just american soccer and the the several different routes that people can take to kind of push their their journey to the professional career um you know and you played for 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 the steel for a little bit before you officially went to wake forest uh, you had committed earlier but you know before actually getting yeah. on the team and stuff um and as far as just kind of working through the decision of whether you wanted to take that first year at wake forest or you know, to maybe stay with the steel and, and kind of push your way into the starting lineup? I mean, you know, what, what was going through your mind then or what were the discussions like with coaches just to try and figure out what was best for you?
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was actually a, a pretty long process just because I had been in the, the Union's Academy for uh, that time, started U14. So, yeah, going through the ranks, i have been there for about five years and, you know, ultimately was going to be part of you know, another player to to work his way through the pipeline. Um, so, you know, just looking forward to that opportunity and having spent so much time with USL and gotten a taste of what the, the professional environment was like and training with the first team. Um, and then to ultimately, you know, choose to go to Wake, It was I think it was one where I had to make a, you know, Wake was a, a prestigious institution, um, you know, and they, they played good football as well. Um, you know, so I, I figured that, you know, being able to, uh, you know, live uh the best of both worlds where I can now uh raise my level in the classroom but also and as at the same time, you know, play play quality football. Um so I ultimately made the decision and in, intend in to wake. Um and my time there I think again, like I, I mentioned earlier, it was it was humbling as well. Um where I was in a difficult position where in, in college soccer at times it, it feels that uh you can even even though you may be a top prospect in an academy or, or a youth club or whatever that is, once you get to college, you know, the the philosophy may, may be completely different where a coach uh, plays a player simply because he's a, a senior or, or, or an upperclassman um, for that matter. And I think that was difficult for me to swallow, uh, but, but one that made me work even harder. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, again, a difficult decision to leave the club, but I ultimately found my way back.
1: Yeah, and Wake Forest is a historically great program just in terms of producing professional players. I mean, Ike Opara, who is mm-hmm. arguably the best center back in MLS when he's healthy and 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 playing for Minnesota. Jack Harrison obviously came through Wake Forest. He's not American, but you know he's a player from a, from abroad that kind of used the college system to to get that education to kind of kickstart his professional career. Um, maybe in an unorthodox way in comparison to most European players, but you know now he's playing in the Premier League and he's uh, he's looking he's looking pretty good. Exactly. Um and uh, when you were at uh, Wake Forest, if I'm not mistaken, um Matt Rael was also there that first year, right?
2: No, so Matt he uh he was in the same position. He verbally committed um but ultimately signed with the Steel um okay. before before attending Wake, so uh he he forewent his uh his yeah, his college college route and, and signed pro right out of high school.
1: Gotcha. Um but I do know for sure that Joey Desart did commit she- and now he's he's in Orlando. So that's an example of a player exactly who kind of just used that college route, got drafted. And, and, you know, Orlando's killing it now, too, under Oscar Brea. And Joey's getting a lot of minutes, too, under him, which is great.
2: Yeah, absolutely great. And, and Joey actually came up in the uh, the academy with myself. Um, he was a year older. Uh, he's, I believe he's in 98. I believe he's in 98. But he mm-hmm. uh, he came up and he, he went to Wake prior to the year before. Uh, I attended um so you know seeing him there he was a familiar face um and ultimately you know he, he went off for well, three and a half years graduated early and is now at Orlando we're where doing really well um and he's actually he, he's getting playing time as well which is which is always nice so you know hopefully we get to, to compete against each other at some point uh, talk a little smack on the field
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's uh the playoffs for the east this year are definitely going to be interesting it feels like uh Whenever I hear talk about it, it's like the teams that maybe aren't in the top four, they're a team that you, quote, unquote, don't want to play. And it's like, all right, well, who do you want to play then? You know, (laughs) you're going to have to play somebody. Exactly. Um, But, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, going into your professional career now, then um, you play that first year at Wake Forest. uh, Like you said, in in January 2018, you signed that homegrown contract. Um, You know, that day that you finally put pen to paper and, and you signed that contract, you know what do you feel are you feeling relieved that like this is you're finally making this first step you do you feel like all your work is kind of like paid off at this point like how, how how are you kind of feeling on that first day
2: yeah it was it was a rush of emotions you know excitement uh some nerves in there as well um but but mainly just looking forward to the opportunity um and I also had an understanding of you know this was kind of just the beginning uh it was a a start and the hardest part was yet to come, you know, and that's maintaining and continuing to raise my level of play uh, day in and day out in, a, in an environment where everybody's fighting for their job, you know, and that's just the mentality that you have to have um, as much as we are teammates and boys. Uh, we're also fighting for positions on the field, uh, fight for your your paycheck. And that's, that's the reality of it. So um, I think the, the reality start set in right, uh, right after I had signed. Um, and getting to that point was was you know extremely exciting. Um, you know, one I was uh, with my family, you know, and, and seeing the smiles on their face, and you know, getting to to enjoy that moment was was something that you know I'll truly remember forever. Um, but ultimately, I want to have even greater moments, you know, of lifting trophies and uh, yeah, and, and helping put my family in a better position as well. Um, so again, this is uh it was only the beginning, um, and and that's just the mentality that I that I try to keep day in and day out.
1: And and Jim's been the head coach of the union for a for a long while now. Um, but I feel like it's fair to say, just kind of looking at the core group of homegrowns that are starting day in, day out now for the union, yourself included, Brendan, uh, Anthony, uh, Matt every now and then too. Um, you know, 2018 was kind of the year that, you know, you came in. Um, Austin Trusty was still there. Uh Anthony Fontana was seeing minutes for the first team. Um, as far as this this first year goes, I mean, you know a lot of you are coming through this is your first year as professionals did you have a set plan kind of going into the season like did you sit down with Jim and and kind of discuss like hey you know you're going to be my guy at the back um going into the season and you know how has it been just kind of working alongside Jim for these past few years
2: oh it's been it's been great you know seeing the progression of Jim as a head coach uh as a manager um you know, because he was he was actually our coach back when we were in the pre academy. Um, he he had longer hair, <laughs> um, but but yeah, he was uh, he was our coach back when, and and then ultimately he's he's been the 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 first team manager here for now, the last uh, five years now. I believe I believe five. So, um, seeing his progression has been great, and and help having a relationship with him, uh, prior to even signing. You know, has it been a, a huge bonus um because you know he's somebody you can talk to you know and, and pick his brain uh you know see from a different perspective you know what are the areas where I need to improve um you know he's uh, he's you know open to discussing these things he's open to you know talking about plans and, and whatnot so uh you know I think uh coming into this year uh, I had just resigned and you know I was, I was really hungry uh to build on what we had done the the previous year, um, in twenty nineteen, um, and yeah, I think we we had discussed some some plans and goals and whatnot and what I wanted to achieve as an individual, um, and how they fit into the plans with the team as well, um, but I think for me it was kind of sitting down with myself, um, and discussing plans and uh figuring out you know goals goals for myself, uh, both short term and long term, um, in, in ways with where I could, could grow in order to help the team, you know, win in any way, uh, any way possible. So, you know, he's, he's, again, he's been a shoulder I can uh, lean on, you know, in, in the difficult moments, you know, and also a humbling, uh, humbling elbow, you know, when, when you need it. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great having him.
1: And 2018 just in general uh, for you went, went pretty well. I mean, you got a ton of starts, a lot of game time uh, for the union. Um, and you also got your first call up to the men's national team. Um, didn't, get to play in that in that camp, but I mean, just the experience of of getting that call up and getting the opportunity to train alongside you know some of these uh, U.S. veterans and then some of the new kids that were there. What was that like?
2: Huge, huge moment, you know, for myself, my family. You know, getting my first senior team call up. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a, it was it was a great moment. You know, uh, a great time as well. Um, a time where I learned uh, a plethora of information. Um, you know, I was able to to pick the brain of of Greg Baralter, um, who I have a, a really good relationship with now, um, but but having him as a resource, um, and and seeing uh, things from his perspective, uh, having played at the 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 highest level over over in Europe, uh, in his career, um, playing for the national team, uh, I think, yeah, it was it was a huge moment and, and one where I I took away a lot of information, a lot of, um. Uh, a lot of wisdom, you know, in order to, to help, you know, put myself in a position to continue to fight for, for time with the, with the senior team. Um, because, again, it's we as, as footballers get a limited amount of a limited amount of time, you know, to play, you know, football and, you know, to play for your national team comes up every now and again, you know. So uh, ev- with every opportunity, you know, I, I look forward to. Um, but, but getting that first one was was definitely exciting. Um and and one where it kind of gave me a, a taste for for wanting more, um. So yeah, it's uh, it's now been about just be growing and growing my game, um, and, and figuring out ways where where I can help the the national team uh, and be a mainstay in that group.
1: The center back position is is definitely one that's hotly debated among U.S. fans. Um, I, it's like everybody's everybody's roster is always John Brooks on the left whoever else we can find on the right. (laughs) Um, I think with Chris Richards and yourself coming through though, I think a lot of people are are hopeful that one of you two will fill that spot. If not, the both of you fill in both center back spots. Um, And I'm just curious because, you know, you are very good on the ball. Um, You're what most people would classify a a ball playing center back, not to use a cliche term, Um, but, and, and Greg expects that of um, his center backs just to be clean on the ball. You know, you don't have to be, a pure low passer just at the center back position, but just be comfortable on the ball. And as far as like what you learned from that first camp or the ideas that you got for that position from that camp from Greg, I mean, did you take, you know, what did you kind of take back with you to the union to help you improve come 2019 and now 2020?
2: Yeah. uh, Again, the modern day, the modern day center back is, is a a ball player. Um, You know, he's going to have to be comfortable on the ball in order to play out and then Greg's team. Uh, that's what he wants um so you know putting myself in uncomfortable situations where you know I was I've always been kind of I've always been comfortable you know but but playing at the highest level under pressure and knowing that one mistake from you can lead to the role uh that that puts the other team over you um you know understanding uh positions and and how certain movements uh how a back angle can open up an angle for now you're six and uh, how spacing, you know, between myself and the goalkeeper can give myself more time or the keeper more time, you know, so it's just little things like that, where uh, that first camp really gave me uh, more of a, a keen eye, you know, to see these details, um, you know, seeing the pass before I get it. And although as a center back, once you get the ball, lanes open and close so so fast, you know, um, you know, every, every defender is now playing off of your decision, you know, your body angle, your Shape. Um. No. So yeah, it's it's things like that I, that I took away from that camp. Um. That that have kind of helped me, you know, get to where I am now, and I'm still improving. You know, I'm still working on it. Um. You know, playing on the left side now, and you know, I've I've gotten you know more comfortable. You know, with my left foot. Um. In, in those longer range passes, as well as those line breaking passes. Um. Into midfielders or to a weak side midfielder or to the outside back to break the line. So. Um again these these are all little things that I take uh, I took away from that first January camp and also took away from my first you know call up uh, my first uh appearance with the senior team uh, back last January so it's been it's definitely been been great you know having Greg as a resource um you know and, and getting his uh his thoughts on on areas of my game that I can improve and um you know ways that I can can help the national team
1: Yeah, and that was a really solid way to kind of cap off 2018. Um, Just a good year for you. And then going to 2019, I mean, still a relatively solid year for yourself, barred, you know, a few injuries and just kind of having to fight a little bit more for your starting spot. Um, But I kind of want to talk about the May time of that season, um, you know, when the Under 20 World Cup came around. Um, And obviously, you were kind of working to get healthy for that. Um, But, you know, you get the call up, you're part of the roster, you're there with the team, and Tab still kind of looks to you to be this leader regardless of whether you're on the field or whatever the case may be. Um, And just in general, you know, kind of getting the opportunity to be added in the 20 world cup and be a part of this team, you know, that that's, that's famous for upsetting France in in the the round of 16. Now, you know, everybody was excited after that game. Um, You know, what was that like just getting that opportunity and and getting to work alongside, you know, Chris Richards and, and even Abubakar Kita who maybe going into the tournament wasn't super popular among fans. um, But afterwards, you know, everybody kind of knew his name and, and now he's playing for the crew.
2: Yeah, it was uh definitely uh, personally frustrating cuz I I wanted to to give more to the team um in terms of on the pitch, uh but it helped me develop even more as a leader um because I couldn't be on the pitch as much as I wanted to be. Um and I think having that responsibility of although I was named captain and didn't play as much, uh I had to to keep guys in check, I had to um help the team maintain its level throughout the tournament. When you know we can be feeling high, and uh, the moment we hit a roadblock or, or an obstacle, you know what is the the reaction from the group? Um, you know, having that responsibility and, and, and having you know tab uh, the confidence of him, knowing that, that I could lead the team um, and, and help uh, was, was tremendous. You know, was huge because uh, again, it's it's always nice when you're when you're able to to be playing and playing and informed uh, but, but the moment you're, you're out of form and, you know, out of the lineup, you know, what is your reaction like? What is your uh, attitude like? Um, and that, that definitely that, that time uh, of being away with the group and, and growing in my relationships with the guys and, uh, you know, being with them day in and day out uh, in training, in, uh, in the matches, um, you know, uh, at team meals. Uh, it, 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 it was a time, you know, where I enjoyed it uh, a lot. Um, and, and again, it's it's helped me in my leadership role and in my leadership abilities. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for that time. And although it was it was frustrating as a footballer,
1: um, you know, I, I, I I'm glad that I that I went through it. And Tab's obviously now coaching the Houston Dynamo. And and just you know, out of curiosity, what do you like about Tab as a coach? It seems like every young kid who kind of goes through him with the youth or did go through him as a coach with the youth national teams um, has just enjoyed kind of playing under him. Um, and as far as, like, what you enjoy from his coaching style or just him as a person, you, what would that be?
0: Yeah, he's
2: uh, he's a guy who's very open. You know, he's very blunt. He's direct. Um, you know, but he's also a, who, a manager that, that gives you the players the freedom, you know, on the pitch to, to play the game, you know, in its most beautiful form, uh, you know, in terms of being creative on the ball and creative movements in order to create space with one one another. Um and also being the, the leader, you know, and, and helping us through the difficult times, you know. I think uh thinking back to the World Cup, you know, when we we played Qatar and we knew we didn't play well, um, I was I was there helping the group, but but having Tab there as well, um, and knowing he'd been through difficult times with the national team, national team as well, uh, helped uplift us and put us in a position where now we were in the right mental uh mental state to go into this France game knowing we could play. Um, and we could take it to one of the best teams in the tournament, um, and ultimately we came out with the victory. Um, but but again, he's uh, he's a manager who I'm, I'm very thankful to have played under, um, and you know, and he's he's doing well in Houston. Um, so you know, it's his first year. So again, I, uh, as a as a manager, it's it's always easy to to say, or as a as a spectator looking at managers, it's always easy to say that you know, oh well, the points don't match up, but when you when you play under a manager who who knows what he's doing. Uh, sometimes the 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 points and the, the statistics, you know, don't match the, the the kind of manager you're playing under. So it's uh you know I, I had the honor of playing under him, and, and I'm sure others can can express the same sentiments.
1: Yeah, and, and just because you bring up the France game, um, the the one thing that I always remember from this game is is uh the pre-match kind of handshakes between the captains, and I, I think it was Pommie Cal that went up, and I forget yeah. who um who the French do. captain was, but uh, man, he was, <laughs> he was a yeah. lot taller than Pommy cow. And I feel like that picture in itself was almost like, um, just like a metaphor for how this game was for the U S you know, like France, France had just won the world cup, the senior world cup. And, and, and now, you know, this, this young group of Americans is taking on this young group of French players who the majority of them had played and were playing professional soccer. Um, so I just I always think of that picture because I think it's awesome that, like, you know, now we have that moment to kind of look back on for, for all youth national teams. Um, yeah, it was it was <laughs> the picture's definitely funny to look back on now, especially because we won. That's I think that's the, the, the best part is that <laughs> I don't think it'd be yeah. as funny if we lost or anything. But
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. It was definitely a David and Goliath type story type match. So, um, you know, I think everyone uh, on the outside, you know, was was counting us out. Uh, with with France having the the star studded lineup you know of having their guys over in europe and uh, I think we were all internally confident and you know, we knew what we could do and we know the the abilities that we had um and with the group that we had we could take it to anybody in the tournament so yeah definitely uh an image you know that kind of uh that signified you know the the outside perspective of, of the match you know but but inside we knew what we could do
1: yeah, and then, you know, obviously things kind of came to an end in the quarterfinals, um, but I think from the home front, just everybody here in the U.S. was just super pleased with how you guys had played that for the majority of that tournament um, and, and with that France win. Uh, but then coming back to the Union, um, you know, obviously fighting a little bit harder for your starting spot in 2019, um, just with a lot of different things kind of going on. Um, but the Union finally get their first ever playoff win. After or in the postseason, um, for you just to be a part of that group and to and to know that you know you played a pretty big role in kind of getting the team to that to that spot and you know amounting this comeback over the New York Red Bulls, you know, just that day in general, what was was that kind of like just being in the locker room afterwards and just kind of you know knowing that you guys had made a little bit of history.
2: Yeah, it was uh definitely a special moment for not uh, and myself but uh the the club uh the fans you know the players so it was yeah one that that we'll all remember um it was you know definitely a difficult difficult match to say the least you know going down two 0 in the first I think like twenty minutes 15 and then going into halftime three one down um and having to dig ourselves out of that hole it was uh you know definitely memorable memorable in our comeback and I'll come back and. Uh, you know, getting that first one out the way was 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 huge um, because you know we knew we had the ability to, um, but it was about executing and and how many times in the past where where the club, uh, where the club came up uh, short, you know, and and so many you know, with the Open Cup finals. Um, so uh, you know, now being in a position, you know, like that in front of our our fans, uh, you know, our loved ones, you know, we wanted to make sure that, that we we maximize maximized it. I uh, made the most of it,
1: and I think that that win over the Red Bulls um, really set a precedent for what we're kind of seeing now with the Union. Um, you know, you guys obviously doing really well overall and in the East um, this year. Um, but I I don't think I'd be the first one in saying this, but it's it's been a pretty uh, wacky year <laughs> with everything <laughs> kind of just going on. Um, and and it was a real shame too because you know you guys before kind of everything kind of shut down and soccer and all sports were kind of postponed. You guys had that wild 3-3 draw with LAFC. Um, and I'm just, you know, not even just kind of your feelings going into the season, because I'm, I'm sure you guys were amped for this year. Um, but just when when that news hits and you realize, you know, we're probably not going to be playing soccer for, for a little while now. But knowing that this group was talented and had the talent to kind of do what they're doing now. You know, how frustrating was that or you know, how were you guys kind of coping with it mentally and and physically just kind of during the months when things were kind of up in the air? Yeah,
2: it was oh man, it was difficult for sure, you know, coming again coming off of that crazy match against LAFC, you know, and uh, you know, seeing you know the potential that we had uh was was huge. Um and then shutting everything down. Was crushing, you know, so uh, going into that quarantine, it was everyone was asking, you know, when are we going to get back playing? I think that was the the, the question across the board for all footballers. You know, when are we going to be able to get back on the pitch and and train, you know, kick the ball again with the uh, with each other, um, play matches? You know, what does that look like? Um, Definitely a difficult time, you know, just seeing how serious COVID COVID is and um, COVID was, again, and is to this day. It's um, how much uncertainty was was, was in the air. Uh, you know. So as we, we were in constant communication with the club and uh, with the training staff, uh, with the medical staff, and trying to get workouts sent out to the groups and get equipment sent out to the, the players. Um, so that way everyone was kind of prepared you know, for, for however long we would have to be in quarantine away from, from the facilities and uh, from each other. Um, and ultimately it was for a few months. So I think it was a, a really good indicator of, of the group's success came from that period. You know, everyone dug deep, uh, everyone understood what they had to do. And in order to come back stronger, we were going to have to do the work in the quarantine. Um, and once we were back training, you know, pick up where we left off and it wasn't going to always be you know, pretty, uh, but we're going to roll up our sleeves and get into. Uh, you know, ultimately we went to the MLS's back tournament, <clears throat> um, and and did well, did well out there, making it to the semifinals. But but I think it was a testament to the to the work we had put in in the the, the quarantine, um, and, and understanding. You know, this is this is what we're facing right now. But we're not going to make excuses. We're going to control. We control, and that's our actions. That's how we play as a team. Um, and that's what we do on and off the field. Um. And ultimately, the the results will will show. So, I think uh, this year we we've really taken the blows, but but kept it rolling. Um, and that's what's what's helped put us at the top of the table now, and in a position to, uh, you know, raise our first trophy in club history.
1: Off the field, too, the union been doing some great stuff. You know, we talked about it earlier with you guys, kind of promoting and, and encouraging people within Pennsylvania and the Philadelphia area to go out and vote, have their voices be heard. Uh, this election cycle. Um, but you've also been a part of the Black Players for Change movement that, you know, kind of swept M- the MLS's back tournament and and took center stage to to raise awareness on on, on the Black Lives Matter movement and and the ideas of, of police brutality uh, and racism that that still exists in the United States. Um, and that was obviously a very very powerful um, addition to the MLS's back tournament. And even now, still with you know na- kneeling before each match um, and just consistently and constantly pushing that message and as far as you know we've heard a, a lot of players kind of come on podcasts or you know say in pieces kind of how this organization came together but as you know for you personally kind of getting involved and and helping get it kind of off the ground you know what's your story behind it what what's your part uh, been so far kind of just getting this off the ground
2: yeah uh i think it was ultimately a collective group effort um we started out with uh, with an Instagram group chat, you know, just to get as many other black players, you know, together. Um, and then from there, we kind of uh, continue to to broaden the the group, you know, by by adding more and more guys. And um, you know, now we're we are a full full organization. Um, you know, we we've done partnerships, we've raised money, um, we've donated money as well. Um, we're constantly working with the MLS and the MLS Players Association. Um, U.S. soccer, um, you know so so personally, you know I just brought my experiences, uh, brought my my perspectives, um, and kind of laid them all out there. I uh, was was very open and, and transparent to to what I was seeing, what I was seeing, uh, and, and to what I was feeling, um, uh, just as as a black man, as a black footballer, um, and from there I think you know having the the vast uh, oh. array. Of, of experiences from, from players all across um, different uh, different backgrounds and cultures, you know, I think that has, has helped push us into this, this round we are now, um, the unity that has been shown on um, so many instances and in so many fronts, uh, the messages that have been made, uh, you know, so it's, it's definitely been uh, an important time, you know, for, for not only us as, uh, as footballers, but, but us as people. Um and, and and individuals with platforms, you know, to to spread a, a message of positivity, of love and of unity and equality and equity, um, you know, with with eyes on us, uh, in, in such a in such a difficult difficult period, um, it was important that we that we maximized it and uh, used it for good.
1: Yeah, and with something like this too, it's it's not even just a matter of, you know, showing face this season. It's obviously something you have to consistently push over and over again and, and keep ingrained within MLS itself. Um, and obviously we saw with with what's kind of going on with the RSL ownership group that, you know, it, it, it was and still is very prevalent within our own league. You know, we're not excused from it in any way, shape, or form. Um, but as far as what MLS and, and even USL and, and every other pro and semi-pro soccer league within the United States, you know, what they kind of have to do going forward to ensure that this message is consistently pushed across. I mean, what does that what does that look like to you? I mean, is it is it keeping these the kneeling before each game? Is it, you know, keeping message boards that say Black Lives Matter or instituting patches that say Black Lives Matter, like the Big East is kind of doing this season with the basketball teams? Um, and obviously just kind of keeping it within organizations and, and kind of keeping the conversation going. You know, what does that look like for you? it's it's difficult to
2: say because there's so many different channels. Um, Each individual has their own way of expressing their feelings um, and and being a leader. Ultimately there's, there's no one mold to what a leader looks like. You have some leaders who are on the front lines um, or the MLKs um, and marching um, and you see their face day in and day out, you know, on the, on the posters and the posts and the, the images and the videos, um, and then you have leaders who are behind the scenes, you know, developing and creating organizations and donating money, um, raising awareness, publishing uh, images and uh, publishing articles and videos, um, in order to raise awareness for for what's happening. Um, so again, it's it's difficult for me to say, but I think ultimately the common the common theme that that we have. Uh, to keep in mind is is consistency. You know, this isn't going to be an issue that we eradicate overnight. Uh, This isn't an issue that um we are going to be able to destroy over three months. You know, we see how long lasting and how extensive, you know, the damage of, of racism and prejudice and, and, and slavery has, has had on this country and how they have uh, been modernized and, and adjusted in ways where where now we see them just in different forms. Um, so so we're gonna have to constantly and consistently keep the spotlight um on on these issues. Um, and I'm not saying that it has to be the forefront, but it also can't leave our minds. Um, because the moment it does is the moment we find ourselves back at square one. Um, and, and again, we've made progress, but but we also see how many instances occur. Uh, on a daily basis, you know, just with recordings and videos and and images that are captured, um but we also have a large variety of of videos, images um, that aren't caught on camera and caught on film. Um so again, we need to to really keep these uh, these issues uh, on in the back of our minds, you know, whenever we go through our daily lives uh, and understand that you know the situation is is gonna have different effects on different individuals. Um, but we can all be leaders in our own way. Um, and that's making sure we never lose sight of, of what's, uh, what's what's plaguing our country and plaguing the world for that matter.
1: Right. And you guys are doing some some great stuff, you know, kind of keeping that. Like you said, maybe it's not the forefront, but it's it's there and it's in everybody's mind um, and everybody's thinking about it like they should be. Um, you know, and, and before I let you go now, I just want to talk a little bit about this season and kind of maybe what you're looking forward to even after 2020. Um, but as far as the season goes, you guys have one regular season game left now against New England Revolution. Um high stakes game, you know, with like you said with that with that potential first trophy in in organization history. Um you know, how are you and, and the Union guys feeling ahead of this game? Oh, we're we're excited.
2: You know, it's also an opportunity for us to 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 lift our first trophy um you know, in club history, so uh yeah, it's uh it's a moment that, that we're we're looking forward to. Um it's not gonna be easy by any means. it's the, it's decision day. You know, and everybody's fighting for positioning and uh in the table. Um so so we're going into with the with the right mentality. Um but, but we're in front of our home fans. Uh we're in our our, our, our stadium. Um and, and we wanna make sure that we, we end the regular season out the right way. Um and that's with uh with a win with three points and, and ultimately with a trophy. So yeah, it's uh it's an important day. Um but, but a day that, that you've been looking forward to for a while.
1: And I don't I don't mean to track back, but I'd be remiss not to ask you about this. Um your first goal for the Philadelphia <laughs> Union, your first professional goal, I mean there's not there's not many better goals to score, especially as a center back, um, you know, to, for it to be your first. I mean, when that ball kinda of popped out to you at, at the top of the box, were you just thinking I'm just gonna let this one fly or like what was kind of just going through your head?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, the the way it kind of lined up, it was I didn't have any pressure, you know, or anybody, you know, pressuring me at the time. And, you know, I saw it roll out to the top of the team. Casper was kind of running towards me, away from the goal. And, and I gave him a shout and I told him to leave it. And uh, I put my laces to it and said, listen, <laughs> if the ball goes in the net, you know, uh, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate and I'm going to be ecstatic because it would be a first. But ultimately, keep it on target. Um, you know, put power through it and, and, and let the ball, you know, let the ball travel. So ultimately it, it ultimately took a slight deflection Um, and, and you know, people will bring that up, but, but the first goal uh, is one you always remember. Um, and, and at the end of the day, the ball went in the back of the net. So, you know, it was definitely an exciting moment for me and, and the fam, but, uh, you know, hopefully I can, can tag some more along, you know, in the,
1: in the near future. Yeah. A goal is a goal, man. So <laughs> can't let anybody <laughs> take that away from you. So, um, Sorry. Yeah. And just as far as, you know, looking ahead and stuff, um, as far as you personally kind of looking to break into the men's national team and and hopefully become a a solid figure kind of in that back line or constant in that back line, you know, what, what parts of your game have you kind of noticed that you need to improve on a little bit more? I know, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, the advice that Greg's kind of given you um, when you've been in camps uh, but as far as how you feel like you've come along in those aspects or, what you still need to improve upon, you know, what what kind of parts of your game are you are you still looking at?
2: So, you know, continuing to to refine the, the long diagonal ball. Um that diagonal to whether it be the weak side, um outside back or a weak side winger or a weak side midfielder, um, you know, with both feet. You know, I think that's something that I'm continuing to refine. Um, you know, in different types, you know, whether it be a a chip ball, you know, right into a pocket, um, whether it be a driven 60-yard uh, ball uh, to the opposite side of the pitch, um, uh, as well as, you know, carrying the ball to the midfield, you know, and, and being comfortable addressing uh, the the first line of, of pressure, you know, in order to, to create space, uh, to create an option, you know, for, for a, a midfielder or a winger or a nine to now pop into a pocket, you know, and now playing that pass where he cannot turn or lay it off for the 10, and now we're out the other side or now we're into a channel. so, um. And then, uh, again, line-breaking passes as well with both feet. Uh, you know, so those are two or uh, three areas of my game that, that I'm continuing to work on. And, uh, you know, I, I want to get better, and, um, and I've done well, you know, but, but again, need to be more consistent uh, with them. And, uh, yeah, from there, I think uh, it will help, you know, put me in into that, that conversation as, as mainstays in the national team.
1: And uh, your teammate, Brendan Aronson, is, is... – Obviously, moving on after after this season in January, going to RB Salzburg and uh, joining fellow American Jesse Marsh there. Um, you know, obviously, you have ambitions to go to Europe and you want to play in Europe and at those high levels. Um, you know, where do you feel you're at? Do you know, do, do you feel like you're you're going to be in Europe in January too with Brendan? You know, it doesn't need to be at Salzburg, but do you feel like that European move is coming soon for yourself?
2: I do, I do. You know, I feel like I've, I've really been. Uh, raising my level of play, um, you know, I've put together a really good year so far, um, you know, and again, I'm not saying that's been a perfect year and I'm not saying that I'm a perfect player by any means, um, but, but I do feel like I, I'm ready for the next, the next step. Um, and that's to play in Europe, you know, to play against the, the best competition, uh, you know, day in and day out, you know, on a weekly basis um, and to challenge myself. Uh, Cause again, that's the only way I'm going to, to reach my fullest potential. Um, and and help you know both uh, my club team and, and the national team. So yeah, I, I do feel like a, a move is coming soon. Um, I don't know when it is, but I do feel that it is it's coming very soon. And uh, you know, I'm you know, gonna seize it with both both hands when it when it arrives. Awesome,
1: great stuff. Um, Mark, that's all the questions I've got for you, bud. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out um to speak to me to answer some of these questions just to talk about your career about U.S. soccer about MLS. Um, I just want to give you this opportunity now, you know, if you want to plug anything, whether it be the Black Players for Change pages, your own pages, anything you want. Yeah. I mean,
2: if you want to give me a follow on Instagram, Mark McKenzie 4, uh, on Twitter, Mark McKenzie 4 underscore, and uh, make sure you guys are, uh, you know, keeping, keeping in tune, you know, with, with the issues that are that are plaguing us today. Um, these aren't necessarily political issues, but these are just humanitarian issues that, that we need to keep in in mind you know on a daily basis so uh, make sure you know we are extending the, the same love we have for ourselves to others um you know lending a, a kind shoulder you know when it's needed so
0: so that is scouted football's exclusive interview with mark mckenzie all wrapped up uh, an informative and, and really candid insight into to mark's career so far um i, I mean i'm i've i've learned a lot myself just from from listening to that um and and uh, you know from from all of us at Skyward, you know wish mark the best of luck um in his in his career i hope that the the union can stay at the top of the uh the eastern conference for as long as possible um but yeah as justin mentioned you know being named in the best 11 for for mls's back tournament earlier this year and and getting that um that U.S. national team debut in in February this year, yeah, you know, I think that indicates that Mark is is certainly on on an upward trajectory, and we're extremely grateful for his time on this one. Um, likewise, to you, Justin, thank you for for taking the reins today. That was it was a pleasure to listen into.
1: Yeah, Joe. I mean, uh, thank you for for letting me host this episode. Uh, Mark is definitely a player I've wanted to talk to for a while, um, so I'm glad the episode came off as, as well as it did for for our for our listeners.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was uh, excellent, excellent. Um, well, this has been the Scouted Football Podcast, an exclusive interview with the United States defender and Philadelphia Union centre-back Mark McKenzie with myself, Joe Donahue, and of course, the fantastic Justin Sosa. Um, keep an eye out for more pods, more books, and more scattered football on your timeline. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Bye for now.